in the beginning. It started with um, a vision in LifeGate Baptist Church to see a church planted in Arklow um, back in 2006 uh, that our church got its start. And I praise God uh, for the, your prayer, for what God is doing down in Arklow and for us as we work in Arklow. It's good to have my wife Heather and the, four, the five children uh, with us tonight. And, um, but I pr- we praise God for the prayer and the support of LifeGate Baptist Church right from the beginning back in 2006 uh, when Arklow Baptist Church was started. And I promised you I'd give you just a little update. Um, so I want to do that uh, just quickly, just take five minutes and tell you a little bit of what God is doing in Arklow. Is anybody tired tonight? Anybody tired? Okay. Well, that makes two of us. I am too, okay? So we, we, we better wake up. Why don't we all stand up and stretch, okay? Everyone stand up and stretch, okay? Just get woken up, okay? I'll give you permission. Stand up and stretch there, okay? <laughs> all right. And then have a seat, okay? Good job. And that is kind of selfish, okay? Because two reasons. I want you to pray, and I'm going to share some prayer requests with you from Arklow. And I want you to remember these things so you can pray for them. And secondly, I don't want you to fall asleep during the message, okay? Because it's, it's no fun preaching to people who are sleeping, okay? All right? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, in Arklow, we praise God. Uh, the church has been there for just over seven years now. And uh, we praise God. Some good things happening lately. Some new people have come along to the church, uh, particularly one lady and her two children. And another family have come along uh, recently. So it's exciting to just see God growing the church. And uh, also people seem to be growing in uh, just their commitment and their desire to serve in the church. I just feel like the Lord is, Jesus is building his church in Arklow. And people getting involved, even um, it was great to see people jumping in and getting involved today. Um, I, of course, was up here. And John Mahoney from Ballancolic was preaching in Arklow. And uh, people stepping in from the church there to, to help. And uh, that's exciting. You know, you can't have a church without people that have a heart to serve Jesus and are willing to get involved and serve the Lord in different ways in, in the church. And so it's exciting to see that. Um, just, uh, it's also, it's great to have Willie and Lizzie working in the church at the moment. Uh, they're working in several different ways, but uh, doing the Sunday school for the kids um, during the Sunday school hour. And uh, also um, uh, helping in various different ways, but also Lizzie is playing the piano. And they've just been a great blessing, and uh, it's exciting. And we just thank you for loaning them to us for a little while, okay? <laughs> but uh, that's been exciting as well. Two prayer requests for you. Uh, one, um, we have thought about buying the building there for a long time, and we really have not had the money to do so. Um, but uh, just recently, it seems possible that we might be able to buy the building. Now, we will have to see the Lord bring in uh, some money for uh, the deposit and all of that, um, and we're just trying to take it one step at a time. Would you pl- pray that God would enable the church to buy the building that we're using? It's a great location in Arklow, and it would enable us to develop, and it really sends a message to the community that we're here to stay. We want to be a lighthouse in South Wicklow for the years ahead, and uh, I know it, it was a it was a, a big day when LifeGate uh, bought uh, this building, you know, and uh, that was a big psychological moment for this church. Wow, you know, we, we're going to buy this building. We're here to stay. You know, we're going to serve Jesus right here in Tala. And uh, we're 
looking at doing that. So pray that God would just guide us, that he would provide, and that we would be able to buy the building. And uh, then two other things. Pray for a couple named Johnny and Helen. Um, a great couple. They live outside of Arklow. And they have two young kids. Very interested in the gospel. I've gotten to share the gospel with them several times. And uh, haven't made that vital decision to put their trust in Jesus. Would you pray for Johnny and Helen? Lovely couple. And it'd be great to see them come to Christ. I think he's ready. God's been working in his life for a couple of years. He has a, a sister who's saved. And she's been... My, she's been preaching to him for a couple of years, you know, and um, he, he, he has understood some of the gospel. So pray for Johnny and Helen to be saved, and also pray for a man named Mike. If you have read any of our prayer letters over the last um, probably year or so, I've asked a couple of times prayer for a man named Mike. Pray that he'd be saved. Um, he sat at the Bible study a couple of weeks ago, the uh, men's Sunday school Bible study, and the table was full, and he just said, I'm not saved. I need to get saved, you know. So he said, yeah, we'll pray for you. So right there, Mike is sitting there and we pray for him. Lord, help Mike to understand the gospel and be saved. So he's close, okay? Please pray for that man, Mike, um, to put his trust in Jesus. Well, um, I've gotten you to turn to Zechariah chapter 4. Just We really appreciate your prayers. Um, it, it, it makes it possible for us to do what we do. We couldn't do it without you. And uh, please uh, pray uh, you know, sometimes we say, oh, all I can do is pray. <laughs> Aye, prayer is the most powerful thing you can do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you can have more impact in prayer if God hasn't called you to be in Arklow than you could if you were there, you know. Um, so I really uh, would urge you to pray for us if you would. Um, we're going to read here in Zechariah chapter 4. Um, and I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's just a short chapter, 14, 14 verses. But I'm going to read it to you. And uh, then we'll pray and we'll jump into studying this passage of Scripture for the next few moments. Zechariah and chapter 4 verse 1 says, And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof. And two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things, for they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, 
No, my Lord. Then said he, These are two, the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. You know, this is a really a striking passage of Scripture. When you read it, you, you can think, Wow, what is going on here? What exactly is God trying to communicate to us? Uh, but we're, we're not going to try to understand every detail of this passage tonight. But I want us to see um, really two main points from this passage that I think can really help us as believers. And um, so let's ask the Lord to just help us to speak to our hearts and to give us understanding tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, um, Lord, for being able to be here again tonight. I thank you for the heart of your people, Lord, to come out and hear your word. Um, Lord, some are tired, and Lord, uh, perhaps we've had a busy week. Uh, but Lord, I just pray that you would reward those who have made the effort, um, Lord, to come and to worship you and to hear your word this evening. Spirit of God, will you give us a blessing? And will you help us to understand your word? And uh, Lord, will you speak to our hearts clearly, Lord? And God, we just depend on you fully, Lord. Uh, we can't understand your word uh, in our own strength. And uh, Lord, help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever driven by in the countryside um, a house and it's not finished, okay? How many of you have you've driven by a house and it obviously it's not finished, okay? Now, how many of you have driven by a house and it looks like it hasn't, it, it was, they stopped working on the house about 15 years ago? You ever seen a house like that? Okay. It's kind of sad, isn't it? You drive by that house and uh, you, you see, you know, not only is it not finished, maybe just the brick walls are up, but there's moss starting to grow on the bricks, you know? And maybe some of the woodwork has fallen down, you know. And it's sad because it was something that was started maybe with great excitement and great intentions and it was never finished, you know. And uh, this happens. You know, did you know the book of Zechariah was written because the temple in Jerusalem was just like that picture. It was um, being in the process of being rebuilt, uh, but God's people had stopped um, for years, I believe for 14 years, um, uh, they, they started building and then for 14 years they did nothing. And Zechariah, the Lord sends Zechariah and also Haggai, who was a prophet at the same time, um, to preach to the children of Israel and say, you need to rise up and finish the temple. Keep building, get it done, uh, get it all finished. You know, in uh, 722 BC, the northern kingdom uh, goes into captivity to Assyria. And then in 586, uh, the southern kingdom, including Jerusalem, uh, all the, uh, the Jews were taken captive and they were brought uh, to Babylon um, far, far away. And, and really, God was judging the Israelites because of their sin and because of their disobedience to God. Uh, now, Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied that after 70 years, God would bring the people back to the land. Okay? And it is amazing, 70 years on the button, okay, um, after uh, that happened, um, Cyrus, uh, the king, he was not a Christian man by any means. He's a pagan king, but God stirs him up. You can read about this in the book of Ezra. God stirs him up to send the Jews back to Jerusalem to build the temple. Why would he care? Well, because God had uh, put it in his heart uh, to do that. And so um, he sends a group back. There was three waves of people went back. Um, Zerubbabel led one group in 538 BC. 
Ezra led another group in 457 BC, and then Nehemiah led another group in 444 BC. And you say, why in the world do you tell us all that? I don't expect you to remember those dates, by the way, okay? Um, I had to look them up, I must confess, uh, you know, to, to remind me um, of some of those dates. But um, the reason I, I say that is we need to recognize Zechariah was written when, in the time when Zerubbabel had led the people back to the land. And Zerubbabel's goal was to build the temple, okay? It was to build the temple. And um, so he leads this group back right after Cyrus's decree. And so they, they came back, they started building the temple uh, in 536 BC. But two years later, they had stopped. They'd stopped building the temple. Now, why had they stopped? Because they were lazy. You know, it wasn't easy. Uh, you know, the children of Israel came back to the land and uh, they were like pioneers. I mean, they had to um, start again. You know, the whole land had been destroyed. You know, the temple and the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. They had to start again. It wasn't easy. It wasn't a walk in the park, you know. These were hardy people, and it was difficult what they faced. You know, they experienced opposition uh, from different people, but the Samaritans opposed them. They didn't want them to build the temple, and they, they stood against them uh, building the temple. And it was, you know why they stopped? Because it was hard, because it was difficult. Uh, because it, it, they were facing obstacles and they couldn't get it done and they just gave up, you know. It's so easy to do that, isn't it? Uh, you know, God says, I want you to do something. And sometimes we get the misconception, it's going to be easy. But it's not always easy. And um, uh, the people had stopped. And so uh, for many years, um, they uh, stopped. Uh, and 14 years later, in 520 BC, Zechariah and Haggai come on the scene with very similar messages. They're saying, we need to build a temple. And here was why it was so important. He urges the people, Zechariah urges the people to resume rebuilding the temple because of its future importance, because Jesus would come into that temple. Okay? You know, that the temple that was rebuilt uh, at that time, at 520, and the people did listen, and they started building the temple again, and they completed it. Um, it was completed not long after that. Um, but uh, it was important because Jesus would come into that temple. It wasn't, that temple wasn't as great as Solomon's temple. But it was significant because Jesus was going to come into that temple. And, so, and of course, the end of the book of Zechariah has some of the most amazing prophecies about Jesus and how he will come and what he would accomplish and uh, it's just uh, amazing to read. But his whole message is, we need to build a temple because the Messiah is coming. And he will come into this temple. And um, uh, that's his, his message. Now, in chapters 1 to 6, um, Zechariah relates eight visions that he sees. Okay, These are uh, things that he sees, visual things. Um, and they're vivid pictures which Zechariah sees, and they uh, all teach us something. Uh, and so, as we look at what uh, the people were facing, we can understand what it meant to them and how it applies to us. Okay, it can really help us. Um, so, and chapter four is the fifth of these visions, and it's really it's quite a amazing thing. Uh, there's a lot in there. It's you read it the first time, you say, "Wow, what in the world does that mean?" You know, 
Um, it, is, it, it is challenging. But I want to just draw a, a few simple, uh, two simple points uh, from this. First of all, I want you to notice uh, in verse 1 through 4, uh, just a very simple thing. Notice that um, it, in verse 2, it's, it says, uh, the angel says to Zechariah, he's seeing this vision, okay? He sees this vision of the golden lampstand, okay? And there's a bowl on top of the golden lampstand. And there's two olive trees, and there's pipes that go from the olive trees into the bowl, okay? And they're dumping the oil from the olive trees into the bowl, and the bowl is supplying the seven uh, lamps uh, on the lampstand. And, of course, the golden lampstand was a very important part of the temple um, and the, 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 the different things that were used in the temple and very significant. Um, but just like you, Zachariah hadn't a clue what it meant, okay? He had no clue. Just like me, he looked at it and he said, what in the world does this mean? But you know what's amazing about Zachariah? He asked. <laughs> he wanted to know what it meant. And he asked. Verse 2, the angel says, What seest thou? And he says, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold uh, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? He says, I don't understand. Okay? What are these, my Lord? You know, this is so simple. But as we study the Bible as believers, if you don't understand what it means, admit it and ask. Okay? Admit it and ask. You know, this is so simple. But one of the, 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 the biggest obstacles to us understanding the Bible is that sometimes we're not able to just admit, hey, I don't know what it means. Lord, what does this mean? You know? And uh, yet Zechariah, he was able to, to ask, you know, has it ever occurred to you that nobody is smart enough to understand the Bible without God's help? <laughs> None of us are, you know? Um, you know, you're not supposed to be able to understand it without the Holy Spirit's illumination. You know, Zechariah understood that. And he looks at this picture and he says, I don't get it, Lord, you know? And then God explains that to him. I love in verse 5, the angel says, Knowest thou not what these be? Like, you know, to the angel it's perfectly clear. The angel is in the presence of God and knows what it means, you know. And, um, but Zechariah doesn't know what it means. And the angel says, you, you mean you don't know what this means? You know, oh, kind of insulting him like, you know. How can you not get this, Zechariah? This is easy, you know. And do you know Jesus did that with the disciples? Um, they would ask him a question, and he would say, you don't understand what that means? Do you know what I think Jesus is doing when he does that? He's testing their humility and their spiritual hunger. He's testing, because if they pretend they know what it means, he knows. They, you know, they're not willing to admit, I don't know what it means. You know? But Zechariah, he's brutally, brutally honest. Even after the angel says, What? You don't know what this means? He says, no, I don't. You know, you know this is so simple. But as we study the Bible, if we would just be humble and honest before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't get it. Help me to understand this. How much light would flood into our Bible study, you know, and as we read God's Word and as we study it. And Zechariah is an example um, of this. You know, we're not supposed to be able to grasp 
the truths of God's word without divine help. So you know what? Don't feel bad about not being able to understand it. Ask the one who does know what it means, God himself who wrote it. Say, Lord, open my eyes. Help me to understand it. You know, in Matthew chapter 17 and uh, verse 15 through 17, just keep your place there in Zechariah chapter 4. And we'll go to Matthew 17 for a moment. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 15. Sorry, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 15. In this amazing passage, Jesus asks the disciples who he is, okay? And he's asking them, who am I? You know, he's just asked them, who do people say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And they tell them these different things that they're hearing, uh, who people say that Jesus is. And then he asks them, but he says in verse 15, but whom say ye that I am? And verse 16, and Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And listen to what Jesus says in verse 17. He says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You know, anytime we understand truth, God is helping us. You know, God is helping us. Only God could reveal to Peter the true identity of Christ. And um, we need to recognize, we need God's help to understand this book. You know, too many look at the Bible as kind of an intellectual pursuit. And we're depending on ourselves. And uh, we're trying to uh, figure it out like a riddle. And yet we don't realize we need God's help. We need Him to help us to understand it. You know, when you don't understand God's Word, just like Zechariah, and you can turn back to Zechariah, ask. Ask. Admit you don't understand it and ask. Uh, In Proverbs chapter 1, And uh, verse 23, I'll just read you a verse briefly. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 23, it says, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my Spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. That's a promise of God. When you don't understand His Word and you ask Him, He promises that he will pour out his spirit to you and he will make known his words unto you. And the question is tonight, how hungry are we? Hungry enough uh, to admit that we need um, uh, God's insight to understand his word. You know, obviously, first of all, we need to ask God. Ask God. But, you know, don't uh, be humble enough to uh, listen to teaching from others. That can help us to have insight into the Word of God. You know, ask or listen to Bible teachers. And, uh, you know, that's why that's one reason why uh, God has put pastors and evangelists in the church for the ministry of the Word. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, it talks about that. You know, it's to teach the Word of God. It's to give insight, uh, to help people to understand the Word of God. You know, also in Colossians 3.16, it says that as believers, we're to build each other up in the Scriptures. You know? You know, if you don't understand something, don't be too proud to go to another believer and say, hey, do you know what this means? I just, I'm not getting this, you know? Um, I've asked the Lord, and I'm really just having trouble. Maybe you could help me. 
uh, to understand this. You know, my, we could understand so much more if we were willing to do that. And uh, of course, we need to measure everything according to the plumb line of God's Word, you know. Um, we all have the, 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 the duty and the responsibility to look into the Word of God and say, what is God saying, you know? What is God saying? And let me just say this, not with a critical attitude, not with that negative, you know, if, if I am trying to criticize the person who's teaching the Word of God, I'm not really learning. I'm just trying to criticize them. But I tell you, if I am listening to teaching and I'm checking it with God's Word because I want to know what it means, I don't want to get it wrong because I want to grow in Jesus. My, that is a, an attitude uh, that God can use in our lives. You know, in Acts chapter 17, it talks about the Bereans. And it says that the, 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 the Bereans were more noble than those of Thessalonica in that they searched the Scriptures to see whether these things were so. They were listening to the gospel being preached by Paul and the people who were with him. And as they heard it, they opened the Word of God and they looked into the Bible themselves to see if it was true. God, give us more believers like that in our day and age. Uh, Let me say this. Believers who don't Google it, that open the Word of God and look for themselves, you know? And, uh, you know, it's amazing, you know, um, how how quick we can go to Google and just look something up, you know? And you know, when you come up with a Google search on a Bible question, you have got the, the broadest spectrum you can imagine of things, you know. Um, you know, I pity poor doctors in our day and age um, because everybody is self-diagnosing these days, you know. You know, you get an ache or a pain and you go online. And look, it's not a bad thing, you know. But you, you, go, you go online and we, we know what it is, don't we? And we go into the poor GP. Now, I know what it is. I, I'll just tell you what it is, and you give me the right medicine, okay? And the poor GP, you know, he's, he's trained, uh, you know, for uh, five or six years in college, and then he's done his residency in a hospital. And he's there scratching his head saying, how do I help these people? They think they have a lot figured out, you know? And um, th- th- this is so, so common. You know, but it's like that as well as we as believers study the Bible. Sometimes you can go on, you can watch a YouTube video, um, or you can Google it, and you don't know what you're going to turn up, if it's true or not true. And you know, as believers, we're unwittingly getting away from just looking at the text of Scripture ourselves and believing that the Holy Spirit can help you, yeah, you, to understand the Bible. You know, read it for yourself. Study it for yourself. God wrote this book to you. You know, and we need to be so careful uh, to measure everything like the Bereans by the Scripture, by searching the Scripture, not by Google, not by YouTube. And I know I'm being silly, but, uh, you know, it it was amazing. Uh, Recently, I was dealing with a question. Uh, Somebody asked me a question. And uh, just for fun, I, I Googled the question. And the article that the individual gave me was the first thing that comes up in a Google search when you put that, that question into Google. And I thought, wow, <laughs> I wonder how many of us are getting our understanding of Scripture from Google searches, you know? And uh, obviously there's good resources out there on the internet, but look at the Bible yourself, you know? God can help you to understand it. And especially if we have the attitude of Zechariah, who just was willing to say, hey, I don't get it. Lord, help me. And the Lord 
uh, helped him. The angel explained to him what it means. So uh, if you don't understand, admit it and ask. Remember that sometimes uh, pride can be our biggest obstacle to understanding the Bible. God wants to help us uh, to understand his word. Now, I want you to notice the angel then goes on to explain to him what the picture means, okay? And verse 6 really is the key verse, okay? Verse 6, it says, and he, sa- and he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, I want you to picture the people of Israel. Here's the temple. It looks like a house. Uh, that was started uh, 60 or 14 years ago, and it hasn't been finished. There's moss growing on it. It's obviously not done. Uh, the, the people of Israel are discouraged. Haggai says they, they had just taken to building their own houses. You know, they had these beautiful houses they built for themselves, but God's house, man, it was forgotten. You know, they weren't even bothering to try to build it. Um, think of uh, some, pe- some people that it talks about here, Zerubbabel. He is the governor um, of Jerusalem at this time. He's in charge of building the temple. He's the leader, you know. If anyone's responsible for that taking place, he is. But it's not happening. You know, 14 years have gone by, and the temple is not complete. The temple is not ready to welcome Jesus. Um, It's there with moss growing on it, okay. And think of Joshua. He's He's the priest, okay. He's... Uh, has some responsibility for teaching the people spiritually. And, uh, you know, obviously he had an interest in the temple being uh, completed because it was part of their worship. It was important. And God says to Zerubbabel, the governor, he says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I'm sure Zerubbabel was overwhelmed. You know, isn't it amazing? Sometimes when you procrastinate with a job, it seems harder and harder and harder. How many of you have ever experienced that? I have, lots of times. You know, um, the longer you wait, the harder it is to start back in and do that job. And I'm sure Zerubbabel is just like, it's never going to happen. I've failed, you know. This is never going to happen. The people lost all interest. They didn't care, you know. And... uh, it was a very discouraging place. You know, they had uh, seen the opposition from the Samaritans and other people that didn't want that temple built. And they were just discouraged. And God sends a message directly to um, Zerubbabel. He says, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And, you know, God had given them a task to do, and his Holy Spirit was going to enable them to do the task he called them to do. He was going to enable Zerubbabel and the people to build the temple. You know, the Holy Spirit can enable us to do the task he has set before us, no matter how impossible it seems. And if we will depend on him, not our own might, not our own strength, not our own ability, but on the Holy Spirit, we can do what God has asked us to do. If you believe that tonight, say amen. Amen. It's true. Okay? It's true. It was true for Zerubbabel. It was true for the people of Israel. And it's true for us today. Uh, In 2016, uh, sitting here this evening, uh, that if we, uh, the Holy Spirit, can enable us to do the task He set before us. And really, the the whole picture was this, was that the the, the oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. 
and the two olive trees were Joshua and Zerubbabel, and that the Holy Spirit was going to enable the building of the temple to take place. Okay, there's a lot more I know that we could say about that. Uh, but you see these two olive trees, and they're emptying their olive oil into this bowl, and then uh, the bowl is emptying into these seven lamps. And the idea is that the Holy Spirit is going to enable them to build that temple. Okay? And what an amazing thing. You know, think of today something as a Christian that overwhelms you. Maybe something you know God wants you to do. Maybe you've procrastinated. Maybe you've faced opposition. Maybe it's just seemed hard. And there's something you know the Lord wants you to do, uh, but you've not done it. You know what? God says to you, he says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You know, he uses, God uses his fighting name there. He's the Lord of the armies of Israel, the, the heavenly host. And um, he, with his strength, uh, we can do what he wants us to do. You know, God's Holy Spirit will enable his people as they go about the main task he has given them. And really, as I think about it, at that time, the main task before the, the people uh, was to build the temple. You know, as New Testament Christians and as a church, the main task before us is reaching lost people with the gospel and discipling them, teaching them to follow Jesus, you know. I don't know about you, but that seems overwhelming sometimes, you know. I know you look in the book of Acts and you see all these people getting saved and, uh, you know, multiplication taking place. People are winning other people to Christ. Those people are uh, learning to follow Jesus and they're going on for Jesus. You know, that can seem, wow, how, that, that seems impossible, you know. Sometimes we share Christ with people and that uh, they reject it, don't they? And we can get discouraged. and we, Sometimes we, we want to just give up, you know. Just like uh, the people of Israel, we want to give up. Um, that small group of uh, people that were there to build the temple, we can get discouraged. And yet, we need to recognize it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my Spirit. You know, only the Holy Spirit can reach people in Tala and uh, in this area of Dublin. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. Only the Holy Spirit can reach your family members and the people that you rub shoulders with, whether in work or uh, in your social life or whatever way you have contact with them, only the Holy Spirit can do it. And, you know, sometimes we need to recognize we can't do it, but the Holy Spirit can. And say, Holy Spirit, strengthen me. I'm willing to do it, but I know I can't get the job done. And experience the Holy Spirit helping us. You know, does that mean um, that it's, it's going to be easy? No. But, you know, God can use us to reach other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, just the way God's Holy Spirit would enable uh, the people of Israel to do the task that God had set before them. God will enable you and I to do the task God has set before us. And uh, what an amazing thing. And you know, really we can apply this to anything uh, that the Lord has called us to do that seems impossible, okay? Um, obviously, um, we're looking at evangelism, and uh, but it, it applies to anything. You know, uh, maybe there's a habit you're trying to overcome, and it, you just can't do it, and you've, you've given up, you know? you know. God can help you. The Holy Spirit can enable you. And so let me just encourage you tonight two things. First of all, remember, you know, if you don't understand something in God's Word, ask. 
humble yourself, recognize, hey, I'm not supposed to have it all figured out. Ask, and the Lord uh, will pour out his spirit to you. He will make known his words to you, as Psalm, uh, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 23 says. But also, you know, whatever God has led you to do, sharing the gospel, but anything else that it seems overwhelming, seems impossible, you know, let's recognize tonight the Holy Spirit can give us strength to do it. He is there to help us. God has called us to do things that we cannot do without His help. And like I said before, there's a happy ending to this story here in Zechariah. The people listened, and they started building the temple again right after Zechariah and Haggai prophesied, and they finished it. And that was the temple that Jesus went into. I believe it was uh, modified a little bit uh, by some of the governors of uh, of the Roman governors. But it was the same temple that Jesus came into, you know. They did the job, you know. And wow, you and I, with God's help, we can do what God wants us to do. And we can stand before Jesus someday and say, yeah, I did what God wanted me to do. Was I perfect? No. Did I have it all figured out? No. But I did what God wanted me to do. And uh, so let's cry out to the Lord uh, about those areas uh, where maybe we are overwhelmed. Maybe it seems impossible. And let's experience the Holy Spirit helping us this week uh, as we do that. Let's bow in prayer this evening. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for your love for us, Lord. And Lord, thank you for um, your Holy Spirit, Lord. We are weak and Lord, we need you. And Lord, we praise you that you haven't left us as orphans, Lord, um, but you have sent your Holy Spirit uh, to help us. And Lord, we just pray um, that as we've looked at your word, Lord, that this will make a real difference, um, Lord, in our hearts and lives. Lord, help us to understand your word. Lord, we're living in an age where it's like we have so many helps to understand your word, and in some ways we understand it so little. Holy Spirit, be our teacher and help us to understand your word. And Lord, we pray uh, that you would uh, use this truth in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would help us to know exactly um, how to apply it in our lives, what to do with it. And Lord, we pray that you would receive the glory and the honor, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.